the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. This is your NFL Week 8 Best Bets episode. I'm your host today. Brendan Glasheen joined by three Action Network experts who will be going through their three favorite bets for the upcoming Week 8 NFL Sunday, Monday slate. As a reminder, you can follow all of our picks and track them on the Action app by following our account. It's Action Network NFL Picks. Action Network NFL Picks. There every single week. We are 34-27-2 through seven weeks on the show. Over 500 last week, five and four. Today's crew, Brandon Anderson, he's always here. Luke Swain, he's always here too, otherwise known as Vegas Refund. Joe Gallant is here as well. Uh, He brings you the touchdown show. As a reminder, Luke, uh, these guys are on all of our content, but also catch uh, Jill, who brings you the touchdown show every Sunday morning during the NFL season. That's at 10.30 a.m. Eastern live on the Action app, Action Network HQ Twitter, and also the Action Network YouTube page. Before we get to the picks, a couple of things to note. Chiefs and Chargers, the only two teams on the bye this week. Underdogs keep rolling, folks. It's the year of the dog, 57% hit rate. How about this, too? Favorites of seven points or more. We've been seeing some pretty gigantic point spreads now the last couple of weeks. Favorites of seven points or more. They're 15, 8, and 1 straight up, but 8 and 16 against the spread. It is the least profitable start for touchdown favorites in the last 20 years. And unders remain a story. Not as hot as they were the first couple of weeks, but at 59%, unders uh, doing well. It's the best start through seven games for unders in the last 20 years. Before we get the actual picks as well, Brandon Anderson, we'll start with you. How do you look at this slate, this betting card for week eight? Describe it for us in a sentence. Yeah, you mentioned uh, those underdogs. This is a week where we've got just a ton of tight spreads. I see 10 right now to 15 games at four points or less. That means every half point matters right now because I looked at it. Three is the key number. We all know that. That's the most important spot that the games land on. But this season, two and four are the next most common. So every half point matters. We were haggling over where we're going to get each of these lines. Make sure you're shopping around, get the best line you can out there right up until the pick. Yep, they're getting sharper, that's for sure. Luke, what do you make of this card this week? Yeah, it really is just the lines becoming tighter and tighter, um, where if the under, like the unders have definitely regressed, and if it's terrifying um, to think about whether the underdogs are going to regress or not. Um, but as you can see, like parity in the league has never been this high. Um, just purely based off of the spreads that we're looking at this week. Yeah, not not a lot of really good teams. Like parity is like a way of hiding. Yeah, it's a lot of parity. I mean, a lot of teams could win, but a lot of teams. Or suck. I mean, everyone is just uh, above average, and there's just yeah. a few elite. Where I, I think there's like two teams in the NFC that are winning records right now. Yeah, which is crazy. I know, just parody. That word bugs me. Oh, what a parody this year. You know, it's like, all right, well, does, what does that mean? You can be really good or you can really stink. Anywho, there's my take for you, I guess. What about you, Jill? How do you look at the card? 
I mean, you're seeing the under regression uh, for totals also take effect. There are eight games with totals under 42 and a half. And I've been tweeting about this, about how the touchdown regression has been kind of in full effect. Uh, it, just in comparison to last year after week seven, we had 611 touchdowns. Uh, this year after week seven, we have 517, nearly 100 touchdown difference uh, through seven weeks. So you really got to pick your spots now for touchdown betting, especially for totals as well. Okay, fair enough. As we remind you every episode when we do these best bets, the guys have not consulted each other before because where's the fun in that? They all come with their own homework. They don't take each other's homework, but they uh, put it this way. They kind of like, you know how like the teacher used to let you grade in class. Oh, let's all you know, switch your papers. Oh, let's grade. That's what they kind of do here. When we discuss the picks as we go, as we go through, they may contradict, they may overlap. It's fun. Every man for himself. So Brandon Anderson, per usual, get us started. Pick number one. All right. I'm going to go with the Miami dolphins minus three and a half at the lions. So you got to be careful here. I'm a big numbers guy and all those DVOAs and EPAs, but the numbers don't really tell the story that well for either one of these teams, because we had a lot of, a lot of injuries so far here, both sides. So Detroit, we've seen the big regression coming on offense, but it's come with Amon Ross St. Brown injured and then back, but injured again. DJ Chark is out now. DeAndre Swift has been injured, but is back now. So they're skewed a little bit. Miami, though, has been skewed, I think, more than we're giving credit for as well. Their offense has been really good when Tua Tagovailoa plays, really not good in games where they have this, you know, three games now where they've had a backup or a big switch or some weird, funky quarterback thing happening. So when Tua plays, 8.6 yards per attempt, that leads the league. And we've got Tyree Kill, we've got Jalen Waddell stretching the field, wearing defenses down. When you look at Miami's numbers, each game you consistently see second quarter, fourth quarter, and second half. Basically, they start a little slow, but that speed is wearing teams down. I think it's maybe the new modern version of, you know, the old run the ball, run at you and just wear the team down. This is like the modern Derrick Henry offense. We're just going to run at you all game. And the Lions defense is, is telling the whole story. The Lions defense is not good. They did get a little better out of the bye last week, but they're dead last in DVOA. Pass defense is dead last. They allow the second most explosive pass plays in the league. This is not a team you want to face when you're giving up explosive pass plays because I see Tyree Kill and Waddle getting big yardage, big chunks down the field. And the difference here with Tua back in the lineup, when Miami has him most of their snaps, 4-0 this season. They're 0-3 in the other game. So it really is that stark of a comparison. Tua is third in EPA per play behind only Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And he is enough better than Teddy Bridgewater, who I think we kind of said, uh, eh, not much of a drop off. Well, the numbers say otherwise. It's about the same drop from Tua to Teddy as it is from Pat Mahomes to Marcus Mariota. So you put a Mahomes back in this offense with those weapons against this Lions defense. I like the Dolphins to win and cover. It also feels like regression is taking place with the Lions offensively. The total's at 51 and a half over at FanDuel. Their team total is at 23 and a half this week. A lot of injury questions. It feels like we're still reacting to the, to the Lions early in the year, and the injuries are really starting to catch up with them. So keep an eye on that, but I, I love the pick. It is a desperate spot, though, for Detroit. Earlier in the week, Chad Millman of Action Network, he hosts the Favorites podcast. He's on the other side, so that should be fun to see how that one unfolds. Luke, what's your first pick? So my first one is going to be the Cardinals as a three-and-a-half-point dog going to Minnesota, which this really is – Hopkins being back and Kyler looking 
like an absolutely like different quarterback that he has been with Hawkins being back compared to when he's been out. Um, it was his best EPA game um, by far. And with Hopkins, they've been a top five offense historically over the last year or so. Um, and then you have a Viking, a five and one Vikings team, which at first glance, like I think to myself, like this is the least talked about five and one team like I've ever heard of, um, where you, you even look at like O'Connell's coach of the year odds. And I think he's like 14 to one and they're five and one, which is crazy to me. Um, but when you look at who they faced um, and they're only two and four against the spread, um, they've played a Bears team who we know who they are, a Saints team who had Andy Dalton, Dolphins team who had Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater, Lions team without DeAndre Swift, and they're the Lions, and the Lions we're realizing are a lot worse than we thought they were. Um, and then you have a Packers team who uh, that win in week one is becoming a lot less impressive as the weeks go by. Um, the Cardinals defense is still underrated. Um, it is catching its stride. Um, and then you just have a road dog that is three and a half points, which has been money this year. Uh, they're road dogs of three and a half or more, 27 and 14. Um, and then from three to six and a half, 10 of those 15 games they've won outright um, for those who love trends. So really this is just taking a Cardinals team who when you want to back them, you want to back them as an underdog, hoping for a backdoor by Kyler or whatever it is. Um, you just, you want to, Avoid them when they're the favorite. You just underdogs with the Cardinals are the play. Vikings are overrated. I'll take the Cardinals plus three and a half. Yeah, you guys know I love my Cliff Kingsbury underdog stats. And, you know, you always play the Kingsbury matchups. Cliff as an underdog, 21, nine and two against the spread, 70%. Cliff as a road underdog, 15, three and two against the spread, has one and covered eight straight. I, as a Vikings fan, am very afraid of the spot for the team. I love it. And to credit our own, see, Cliff Kingsbury, we are fair to you on this podcast <laughs> sometimes. Uh, Kyler Murray, since 2019, has the second best ATS record uh, as an underdog, 19-10-2. Only Jimmy G has a better record than him as a dog, a quarterback as a dog. So, yeah, uh, plus an extra rest. I know Kyler, Kyler actually has a bad record off of rest, but I think altogether we, we're giving the rest edge to Cliff because he could he can use all the time possible to uh, to get prepped. Jill, what do you have for pick one, week eight, best bets? Sure, yeah. I'm looking at the AFC South and looking at the Titans-Texans matchup. And my initial instinct was thinking, okay, Titans should roll in this game. But looking more at the total here, I really like over 40 and a half mainly because both teams rank in the bottom half of scoring defense at this point of the season. But last season, this, this is a lot of matchup data for me that I, that I like in this spot because last season in two games with Davis Mills as the quarterback, Texans offense, they brought it 22 points and a win 24, 25 points and a loss. And one of the key things about those two games, Derek Henry didn't play in either of those games. So sorely missed from a scoring standpoint for the Titans, just for reference, like in the four games previous against the Texans, he scored seven touchdowns uh, with over 600 rushing yards. So I think they missed him just a little bit. Now this next point, reason why I like the over has to do with Davis Mills. It kind of brought this up on the best on the recap podcast that we did uh, talking about how Davis Mills might actually be showing a little bit of something here. And it's specifically when he plays indoors versus outdoors. When he plays indoors, he's played nine games indoors, 70% completions, 
15 passing touchdowns, three interceptions. Respectful. Outdoors, 59% completion percentage, six touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. So there's a, just a polar opposite of what he looks like when he's playing inside without the elements as opposed to when he's playing outdoors. And in those nine out indoor games, the average combined score in final was 48.2 in the eight outdoor games, 29.8. Big difference here in this spot. I think the total is might have, I think we're seeing a little bit of an overcorrection here at 40 and a half. I'm going to take the over in this spot. Why is this spread only two and a half points? Like, I don't there's know. Some, go ahead. There's some iffiness about Tannehill's yeah. um, knee. He's in a locking boot. So, yeah, this one dropped, I think, from four and a half down to two and a half. It is very fishy, though, because it's the Texans look awful. The Titans look good. Four games, four wins in a row. It it feels like it's just trying to sucker you in. I want the Texans here, but I'm, I've been waiting. I want to see that line move back across the three right. before I'm willing to jump in. And that's why I didn't end up playing it because I was like, I don't like these lines at all. Even though I feel like the Texans can win outright, I'd rather just allow them just to put up 25 points. Yeah, I'll say this. If you like the Texans here, and if you think this division is awful, we've been dumping on it all year. I'll just throw it out. Houston Texans are 66 to one to win the division. Just saying. Oh boy. I mean, David Davis Mills is a totally different quarterback at home, but the Texans played well for 75% of the game on Sunday against the Raiders. Um, it's just that 25% didn't go so well. Um, not so well. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, this is our eighth week doing this best bets episode. It's not the first time today, but the second time today, I have mentioned something doesn't look right. And when these three agree with me, that is so satisfying as a host. Cause I don't give picks <laughs> on the show. I come to these guys. They're the experts. I just run the mm-hmm. ship, but it's very, it's very gratifying to be like, Oh, okay. See, I kind of have a clue what I'm talking about a little bit, but it's, it's been learning from you folks. So that's good. I get afraid sometimes I'm like, what's up with this? And they're like, Brendan, shut up. What are you talking about? That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so that's good. Brandon back to you. What's your second pick? All right. I'm going to go to Monday night and we're going to go to Ohio. We got Cincinnati and Cleveland facing off and I will take the Bengals minus three and a half on the road. I got to admit, I'm a little annoyed here. I like the dolphins. I like the Bengals. I took them at minus three Tuesday. I've got them in the app. So make sure you're following there. You get the line better. We're at three and a half now, but I still like it. The Bengals, we talked about this on the Sunday night for the Monday show. They just play their best game of the season. And I got to hand it to Luke. We went head to head on this one last week. I had Atlanta, he had Cincinnati. It was over before I even got the television turned on. Like Hmm. Cincinnati came out passing and obliterated the Falcons. And the Falcons are really similar to the Browns, the team that the Cincinnati is playing now. This is a team that is a strong run team. We talked about the run attack last week and DJ Reader being out. And yeah, they're going to run the ball a little bit, but competent at best for passing. No defense to speak of. And what did we just see with Cincinnati? They came out passing and they lit up the defense. They started scoring and Cleveland like Atlanta is not a team that can play catch up or try to go head to head with Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and win a shootout. So that's what I see here. The Bengals started. Oh, and two, it kind of threw us off the scent. Oh, Super Bowl loser curse. Like we were ready with it. But since then, number two DVOA team in the entire NFL, they're number two in offensive EPA. They're going shotgun. They're going pass heavy. This is the thing we wanted and expected from them. It just took a minute. I'll be honest. I don't really trust that Zach Taylor is not going to just run the ball the first 400 plays again the next time we do it. But I like the matchup. I like Cincinnati's offense. Browns defense, 30th in EPA per play the last month. Dead last, DVOA at home. And then, of course, tried and true, Kevin Stefanski. 
three and 11 in the division against the spread. That's always a good stat to roll out there. So it's a good spot here. You know, we've been talking about the three and a half and bigger underdogs. Historically, Monday night road favorites of three and a half to seven points are actually 58% covering. So on Monday night where we know to give the home team a little extra credit, if the book is still making you such a big favorite here, usually that's kind of telling you who you should take. So I'll take the Bengals. I think the fact that this is just about a field goal, we have the Ravens to thank too. Like the Browns hanging around in that game last week allowed for the final score to look a little better than it probably would have finished if the, if the Ravens handled their business, as we found out, they have not done that um, late in ball games. So I think that helped the Browns hang around and it makes it look a little deceiving. Also, Bengals 13 and two against the spread in their last 15 games and they've covered five straight. So that's Me. courtesy of Evan Abrams at action. You got something, Luke? The, the dish, like the more the Browns lose and the ratings drop, um, it's going to be total chaos on whether there's value or not when Deshaun comes back. Um, and which we're getting kind of close. I mean, I think we're like four weeks out. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not Brissett's fault. I don't think, but but he limits them, right? Jill's got thought. Yeah. You got a thought, Jill? Exactly. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's his fault every time, but I would definitely say he has contributed to some of that demise, especially in the latter parts of the game where you put it on his shoulders to come down and drive and to put them into field goal range. And we've seen it twice this season where he's thrown basically backbreaking game ending interceptions. And not to say that it's all his fault or that the whole thing just led to him doing that, but I'm not sure if Deshaun Watson would maybe do that. And again, I feel like I'm, I'm with Luke in the sense that I don't really know how we're going to price the Browns it, it, with Deshaun Watson coming back and, uh, and how he's going to fit into that offense. Okay. Well, you got some time to process that. We'll see <laughs> if the Browns hang around, right? I mean, that's really the key to this game. If they hang around and cover, then that's a pretty, that's pretty good when you consider it's a good against a Bengals team that has turned it around to say the least since the first couple of weeks of the season. Luke, what is your second best bet for week eight? So my second one is going to be the Panthers plus four going to Atlanta, which this line was six and a half on Monday and it got destroyed early in the week and has slowly crept down where right before we went on the show is four and a half. And now it's four, which I will say four is probably the lowest I would go uh, I really like just purely based off of like line value, like anything lower than four uh, long-term that just isn't really going to work. Um, but Last week, we faded the Falcons purely, really based off of this being like, well, peak. you did. Yeah, sorry, I did. <laughs> this being just, uh, wow. just cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this being, we faded them based off of the market expectation of the Falcons, like being at its peak where like they got blown out. So it did come down a little bit, I guess you could say, where at the same time, this is going to be the first time the Falcons are favored all year. Uh, they've been an underdog in every game up until today, or excuse me, Sunday. Um, going against a Panthers team who looked a lot better, beating like blowing the Buccaneers out. Um, and really, this isn't like a bet on the Panthers based off of that Buccaneers game. It's really just again a fade of the Falcons secondary that is now the worst in the league. Like, like, and I'm not saying the Panthers are going to do what the Bengals did. But the Falcons are going to be without their top three corners, their starting safety, and then they're dead last in pressure rate in the league. So if you want to st- stop, like you can put anyone at quarterback um, in the NFL, and I would probably 
have expectations of them playing above their head um, and then maybe fade them the week after. Um, but if the Falcons want to run it, if there is a strength to the Panthers, it is their defense. They are top five in the league against the run. And the Falcons are refusing to adjust how they're playing. They are, if they're losing, they were losing to the Bengals by a boatload and they still were running it at a, an above average expectation, um, which was crazy to me. Um, and if they're just going to continue to test this Panthers defense against the run, they're going to probably lose. So I'm just going to take a secondary that is awful against a Panthers defense that is great and put my trust in the Panthers offense playing above their head. Wow. I, I, I give you credit. You, you sold me based on those talking points. Now you realize too, Hubbard didn't practice Thursday. Does that alarm you? Or do you not care? Yeah, running backs don't matter. Nah, you, probably, yeah, you're probably right, I suppose. <laughs> but okay, fair enough. You got Foreman, Foreman, Foreman can do it. All right, yeah. fair enough. Anyone have anything to respond to? Well, Brandon Anderson, I should ask you because <laughs> your look ahead line earlier this week was you were on Carolina. No, you were on Atlanta minus six and a half. Yes, you're on the other side and at six and a half. I was, and I was on that on the look ahead and on the hot read. So we doubled down and the line moved heavily against us, uh, against me. I'll take the credit. It's, it's me. I'm on Atlanta Island too. I'm out here with the birds. Yeah. Sometimes the line moves against you and you have to pay attention to it because the lines are telling you things. And I think, you know, Luke mentioned the cluster injuries that cornerback, it does look like maybe a couple of those guys are, are training upward. So I want to see once we get closer to the weekend, we might get one or two of those names back out there. P.J. Walker is not Joe Burrow. I still feel pretty okay with my Atlanta position. I'm not going to add to it because I'm already in on the Falcons here. But to me, this is, is I'm on the other side. This is a buy low, sell high spot. We're getting Atlanta off of their worst performance this season. We're getting Carolina off their best and really only good performance of the season so far. Two weeks ago, Atlanta ran all over the San Francisco 49ers defense and scored plenty of points and did just fine against them. I think it's just a spot where it got away and this is not a team that's built to play in a got away game, but I'm not really worried about the Panthers getting away here. So I think if it just kind of stays according to script and stays under a touchdown, certainly at four, like Luke said, the line, the line is kind of right about where it ought to be perhaps getting sharp here with those injuries. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't love the Falcons. I'm, I'm in like with the Falcons here, but watching those injuries, I, I still think it's a spot that I feel okay about. Yeah, and the, like the buy low sell high, like, like that is like my concern here, especially with how much it's moved and taking four, four and a half instead of the six and a half. But like the, like the biggest thing to me is how bad the secondary has been where Hayward and Terrell are definitely out, which are their top two corners by far and are great, like, yeah, Pro Bowl corners, but they just can't get any pressure. Like where if you have a, a poor secondary, bringing pressure is going to be the thing that saves you. And they just can't um, where like, that's how you take advantage of the worst secondary in the league is by just standing there with no one in your face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. It is a buy low sell high. And that's the one thing that pains me, but like this just it's just yeah pj walker joe burrow the second coming <laughs> well when you look at when you look at the falcons offense they average 22 points per game the panthers and this is from evan abrams evan abrams again of action panthers are 1 in 28 straight up 5 and 24 against <laughs> the spread when their opponent scores 17 or more since the 2020 season 
Yeah. And I mean, the PJ Walker against the Rams where like, that was just painful, <laughs> where they, de- they let him like air it out against the Bucks, and it worked out. So yeah, I mean, Hopefully. he had a negative, he had a negative eight out in that game. That's what I was going to say is we don't have to worry about the cornerbacks. If he's only throwing under routes the entire game, we're looking at linebacker health at that point. So mm-hmm. we'll see the PJ still has to be some level of competency. So I guess we have to see how that holds up this week. XFL, you know, he, he got the job done there. So maybe two in a row. It, it definitely feels like if Carolina covers, they win, um, which like if you're betting an underdog at these numbers, like you have to have a firm belief that they can win the game uh, where it does feel like one of those, like if Carolina covers, they win. If Atlanta covers, they blow the brakes off them. Okay, let's go to Joe Gallant, his second pick. Okay, well, we're going to move over to a maybe a matchup where it has a little bit more of a sexier teams here, not Panthers-Falcons. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to look at the Niners-Rams game, and I'm going to keep going with the trend. I'm going to go with Niners minus one and a half. Uh, so seven regular season losses in a row to the Niners. Now, the Rams, they did win last year's NFC title game, mm-hmm. but that was because Jimmy G threw a last-minute draw, like, draw interception to seal the game. That was pretty no, much what not did Jimmy it in. G. <laughs> I know. You, he's due for one every game. So, But I, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because this is more of a pick against the Rams than endorsing the Niners. But because the Rams' offense, even though uh, we could talk about Sean McVay trends coming off a bye, but they're just not – what we're used to seeing from this Rams offense this season outside of Cooper cup, the Rams have yet to establish a reliable second receiving option. And when you look at the NFC title game of how they beat them in that game, Cooper cup obviously had two touchdowns over 150 yards, but Odell Beckham was also very prominent in that game. He had 120 receiving yards in that game. They have not been able to establish that second option last uh, comparatively to last year. Uh, Allen Robinson, he just ain't it yet. Uh, he did catch a touchdown in his last game, but again, just he has not been able to get that separation, you know, on third down, maybe to be able to help out Cooper Cup. Um, and the Niners just really outmatched the Rams on a lot of key positions. Like, I mean, they've got an all pro left tackle, tight end, wide receiver, and now a running back as well. Um, and really, if you're fading the Niners in this spot, the only reason you are is because of the lack of belief in Jimmy Garoppolo, because you know he is going to throw one interception just whether or not it's going to be the pivotal interception. Uh, And speaking of interceptions, if when eventually Matt Stafford's interception prop does come out, and it's probably going to be around the minus 120, minus 125 range, I legitimately am going to take out a loan and and bet on this because he has thrown an interception in nine of his last 10 home games. That includes the playoffs and in every game against the Niners as a ramp. So for me right now, I'm looking at this matchup and I'm like, it's not about if, it's just when. When is it going to happen? So if you see it at a minus 120 or better, I think you need to hammer it. I think by the time we see it at kickoff, it's probably going to be minus 125, minus 130. It did end up closing at minus 115 when he played in San Francisco earlier in the season. So uh, I'm glad you brought this up. The the trend of, of McVeigh off a of bye um, he's only had this situation pop up once in terms of facing a divisional opponent off a bye. That was in 2020 against the Seahawks. It was a three-point spread. His squad beat the Seattle Seahawks 23-16. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, seven and one straight up and against the spread against the Rams. It was a two-point spread, right? A couple weeks ago, Monday night, that was the number in, in San Francisco. Roll, Debo had a big game, but the Rams were dogs uh, on the road and they are dogs again at home. 
So, and like Jill said, that NFC title game from last year is the only time they really handled their business against this team. Let's go to Brandon Anderson for his third best bet. Yeah, I'm going to chime in on that one. And this is a really fascinating game because one of these teams is in real trouble after they lose this one. The Niners either drop to three and five, and that is not the spot they're expecting to be, or the Rams go to three and four and swept by the team that they're trying to get the division against. So it's a big one. And I'm going to thread the needle a little bit here. I'll get to the pick in a second. But Jill, you talked about some of the things. What, What are the Rams looking for here? Well, I think there are a couple other things. First, it does look like Van Jefferson maybe will be back this week. He's starting to practice a bit. And that is that receiving speed threat that the team has needed. And so I think that that could open up the offense a bit. And the other thing is the Rams are coming out of the bye week. And so I'm intrigued to see what does it look like when Sean McVay had a chance to say, okay, this offense sucks. It is awful and is not what we've been doing. We got a speed guy back now. We've had some time to plan a few things. What can we do? And the thing I've noticed about the Rams this year is that their offense is way better in the first quarter and the third quarter. We said the opposite with Miami is speed wore you down with the Rams. It's when Sean McVay can script it, we're going to be fine. We can move the ball a little bit and score, but then when it just kind of erodes into, okay, but now just talent and oh no, the Rams aren't it anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to thread the needle here. I like the Rams early home underdogs in the first half coming out of the bye are 45, 28, and one against the spread. So 62%. I like the Rams to hang around, win in the first half. And I think this stays close. The line is is relatively low. I think it's 42 and a half and dropping. Both defenses are pretty good here, better than both offenses. The offensive line for the Rams especially is struggling. The Niners have a lot of uh, injuries on both sides of the ball. So that defense is not quite what it once was. Cal Juszczyk is out on the offense. So... I do like the Shanahan trend, nine and three ATS against McVeigh has covered six in a row. I do think the Niners over 60 minutes come through. So here's where I'm going to go. In the first half, I like the Rams to win. If you look even at the Shanahan McVeigh thing in games combined, the Rams actually are outscoring the Niners 167, 157 in the first half alone. But I'll take the Rams to win the first half, but the Niners to win the game. You can play that as a double at FanDuel. It's plus 750. So I'm going for I'm going for the whole thing here. I, I didn't find a number I loved. So I'm just going to try to take a swing here, play a Rams first half, Niners full time. If you want, if you like the under in there as well and really want to go big, plus 1626 if you add the under in there as well. But yeah, that the Rams first half, Niners full time, that is a that that one is already queued up for you in FanDuel. So if you just look under the double plus 750, and let's see if we can try to thread the needle here. Okay. Juicy. 42 and a half points, by the way, is the total for this game. And when they met earlier in the year, October 3rd, so the beginning of the month, Niners won 24 to 9. So it's kind of a bummer, just real quick. Thankfully, we'll get to Seattle Island later on in the program. But uh, thankfully, Seattle is hanging around. So is Arizona, because I thought they're already going to play twice now, uh, this early in the season, San Fran and LA. Um, but it turns out we might have a, a pretty good division race despite these two teams playing each other twice this early on. Luke, what is your final best bet? So my final one is going to be the Patriots minus two, two and a half at the Jets. Um, I know this is a, a short favorite on a division in a divisional game, which normally in principle is one you want to avoid, but this is a five and two Jets team that is just 
a full fade for me at the current moment where four of their five wins have been against backup quarterbacks. Their one quality win, quote unquote, was against the Packers, which, like I said, for the Cardinals, as the weeks go by, the Packers are looking worse and worse and victories against them are becoming less and less impressive. Um, This is only the second team ever to have a winning record and be an underdog in every single game come week six, which like is just playing above expectation. Now they got Brees Hall out who I know he said running backs don't matter, uh, but he is one that did (laughs) because if you are going to put this, this in Zach Wilson's hands against a bill Belichick defense and make him beat you when I really, James Robinson, isn't going to beat me. Uh, Michael Carter, not too worried about either. Um, like if I just have no belief in Zach Wilson being able to beat me where like the justice have had every break and you're getting a Patriots team with Mac Mac off of an embarrassing loss on national TV where the Patriots are 25 and nine against the spread coming off of a double digit loss, six and three without Tom Brady. Cause I know every Patriots trend has Tom Brady in them. Um, but yeah. it's just a, it's just a buy low in the past in a total sell high on the jets where the Jets have had Brees Hall being out, Elijah Tucker being out, who has been great. I think they're on their fourth right tackle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, I pass minus two and a half. Yeah. The last thing I want to say is (laughs) Mac Jones, hundred percent over Zappy, like let him burn it down. Like first round pick, let Mac burn it down and figure it out where Zappi had two drives last week that were great. He threw one up where Devontae made a great catch, and then he had a wide-open Jacoby Myers, which my first thought is, why weren't these they, they calling these plays for Mac? Like, why is Zappi getting this? Um, so Mac is an upgrade to me, um, which makes it even better. Where The Jets almost got another backup quarterback. But I think your bone to pick is with the Patriot staff, not, not us. I mean, we're listening to you. Don't get us wrong, but uh, yeah, we hear you. We, we see you, Luke Swain. We it's, hear you. It, it's our defensive coordinator calling offensive plays. That's the problem. Um, and, but. and great job mentioning the record without Brady, because you know, that's the first thing people would have thought, well, what's the record without Brady? So that was good. You came ready to go with that. So it's yeah, still relative because coaching, um, but yeah. not as relative because of Brady. Yeah, Brees Hall, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, Tuck, wow, that's <laughs> the Boston <laughs> accent just slipped. Elijah Vera Tucker, um, both out for the season. I don't think James Robinson's going to make up for that uh, all in one week for the Jets. Jill, take us home. Your final best bet. I'm with Luke. Patriots minus two and a half versus the Jets. Uh, I didn't know we were doing the same pick, but we have a lot of the same points. Uh, I find there are just a little bit more things, too, um, that we could look at. Even just last year, just the last two matchups, Patriots won by 19 and 39, you know, so uh, facing some of these quarterbacks that they've faced like Brett Rippin, Teddy Bridgewater, Kenny Pickett, all those lines flipped to the Jets, but the the lines were tracking that Denver was supposed to be favored in that game. Miami was supposed to be favored in that game. The Steelers were favored and then they tossed Trubisky at halftime and Pickett just became Pickett in that, in that second half. But uh you know, I mean, obviously you can look at the trends and even though they do include Brady and Belichick, you know, 12 straight wins against the team dating back to 2015, nine of those by double digits. But I think last year's results are a little bit more relevant. But Zach Wilson, like you said, uh, VR, like he's not beating the Patriots. He's thrown one touchdown pass in four starts. Like, and, you know, they they lost Brees Hall. 
Michael Carter, I'm not going to go that far where I'm just going to completely slander the guy because I do think he's a good running back and he's fun to bet on from a touchdown score perspective. But that's the Patriots specialty is especially as they run the ball and the Jets are bottom three in touchdowns allowed by running backs. That pretty much sets up a perfect matchup for Damian Harris or Mondre just to basically run over this team. So at a minus two and a half line, I feel like we're getting a little bit of a gift here because of that Monday night football loss to the Bears. Two things on the line in this game. If the Jets win, the Jets get there and cover, they will um, they will get to their win total of, of six. They will, they will surpass five and a half and get to uh, an over on their win total, and they will beat the Patriots for the first time in seven years. And they've lost to the Pats 12 times in a row. So, Yeah, one more number to chime in here because I like the Patriots too. This is a spot you want Bill Belichick after he's pissed off after that Monday night game you look back at the history and I don't have the no Brady numbers here, but just Belichick after failing to cover by 21 or more, as you might guess, does not happen a lot, but in our system, 11 and one against the spread covering by 12 points a game the following week, 12 and 0 straight up. So you want pissed off Bill Belichick out here. This is the spot for him. Before we wrap up the show, let's take a very quick look at next week's lines for NFL week nine. Um, to see if we like any numbers now before they adjust after Sunday. That's what we call the look-ahead line. Brandon Anderson, what do you like for next week? You know we got to do it. We can't make it through the whole podcast without a visit to Seattle Island. Let's go. Seahawks plus three and a half at Arizona. I am insulted by this line. What are we doing? The Cardinals are three and a half point favorites. Okay, Let's start with Cliff Kingsbury stack because we know I'm going to get there eventually. (laughs) You want Kingsbury as an underdog on the road. You don't want Kingsbury at home or as a favorite. He's 9-15 and ATS as a favorite, 38%. 1-4 in the division as a favorite. B. Carroll as an underdog, 62%. In the division, 18-10 and ATS. Geno Smith as an underdog you want. Like all the trends point to Seattle here. But how about this trend? They played three weeks ago, and Seattle just destroyed this team. Arizona, remember how Seattle has no defense? Arizona's offense scored three, three points, three in the entire game against the terrible Seattle defense, which, by the way, is not terrible anymore. They're actually number one in DVOA the last two weeks. They're top eight over the last month in passing and rushing defense, not just offense. Actually, Seattle is the only team in the NFL that is top eight in rushing and passing offense and defense right now over the last month. The Seahawks are good, man. And the Cardinals are not. The pass defense is not good. We're still treating these teams like Kyler Murray is the top quarterback and Geno Smith is the one playing bad football right now. It's the other way. Geno is top three to five in every QB metric. Kyler is not playing well. Last game, Arizona turned it over five times. They were sacked six times against this Seattle defense. So what's changed? Why is the line still Arizona three and a half? Well, we've talked about it. DeAndre Hopkins is back, and that does change everything for them. It opens up the offense a lot, and it is in Arizona. But in Arizona, it hasn't helped a whole lot. Last nine times these teams have played in Arizona, the Cardinals won once. Now I know you're going to say, yeah, but Russell Wilson. Uh, Geno Smith is playing just as well as Russell Wilson is right now anyway. Not this Wilson, the good Wilson. Geno Smith is playing as well as good Wilson and the Seattle offense. Arizona only two, six, and one in those home Cardinals games. So I I like Seattle here. And especially, I love the look ahead spot at three and a half. You know, this line is going to get below that field goal because this weekend, 
both these teams play a one last team, but Seattle is at home favored against the Giants. So we expect right. them to win. Arizona is on the road in Minnesota. Now we talked about it. It's a good spot for them. But if you're a road underdog, you're expecting to lose that one. Seattle expecting to win. Probably push this past the key number. If we get there, Seattle Island, baby. We keep on playing it until the books catch up. I think this might be our last chance because I think the books are finally going to catch up if Seattle does keep winning these games. I still see a plus 600 for Seattle division. They are leading the division and are the division favorite right now. Plus 600 is ludicrous. And if you don't have it, you should get it. I do have it at a longer number and I'm adding the position. So give me the division. Give me Seattle plus three and a half in Arizona. I think we're going to get three and a half points underdog for this team too many more times. I'm happy you brought up their matchups this week because it makes a lot of sense from the Seattle standpoint being at home. But that was going to be my next question. What if Minnesota handles their business? Say they are for real at five and one. There's a better chance of that than Seattle falling on its face at home and probably their biggest game post Russell Wilson contending legit Pete Carroll feeling good about his team. Um, makes sense, but yeah, we'll see. And even if look, like you said, even if Arizona covers against Minnesota, they could still lose the game and that could shift things for sure. And you won't get as long of a number um, for Seattle visiting Arizona. That That's you, the place you want to visit is Seattle Island. That's where you want to visit. Oh so come on out. There's still plenty of room out here. I'm building the condo. I got, I got room for you. All right, let's recap the picks for week eight, and then we'll get ourselves out of here. Brandon Anderson is on Miami, minus three and a half against Detroit. He likes the Bengals, minus three and a half against the Browns. And his final pick, listen carefully, he likes the Rams in the first half and then San Francisco full-time. So he's taking a different angle, and he also said if you want to get frisky, take the team total under 42 and a half as well. You can get that at, you said, what was the odds again on FanDuel? Uh, plus, plus seven to 50 for the halftime full time. And then it's around 16, 25. You add in the total. Okay. Luke Swain is on Arizona plus three and a half. He likes Carolina plus four against Atlanta and the Patriots minus two and a half against the Jets. Joe Gallant is on Tennessee and Houston. He likes the over 40 and a half. Jill's also on the Niners minus one and a half against the Rams. And he too is on the Patriots minus two and a half. That'll do it on the Action Network podcast for our NFL week eight best bets. Thanks to Brandon Anderson, Luke Swain, Jill Gallant for joining us. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Best of luck with your bets this weekend, everybody. We will see you again Monday morning for the recap show right here on the Action Network podcast.